Hello and welcome to Poorly Informed. We're back once again with Peter. I'm hosting this episode. We have Theo, Max and Will as always. And this may be our last December debates, this time recorded in January. Um, this time a debate about a conversation about the immediate future of British politics. What's going to happen to politics within the UK over the coming years up to let's say the next general election, which is currently scheduled to be in May 2024. But given the state of British politics, it could be next Tuesday for all we know. So in this little recording, we are just going to be talking about what we think is going to happen, what we think any big changes are, who will lead the parties, which parties will win going into the election, any upsets, any shocks, whatever. So that's the premise. Um... Does anyone want to say anything? Any straight bold predictions that they're going to just stick out there right now? Oh, and obviously I think we should do like prizes for the most accurate at the end, like in four years' time. What were you saying? Like, money or alcohol? That kind of... Uh, I think the loser, the most accurate gets around from everyone. Okay. I can agree to that. Yeah, that sounds all right. But, yeah, so does anyone have any predictions they want to make? Or do we do you want me to give you a starting point so you can make predictions about an event? Because coming up fairly soon... I'm, I'm happy to open with my prediction. Your prediction? Yeah, I'm going to say that Boris Johnson, against the odds, is going to stay on as leader of the Conservative Party and win the next election. And... I'm happy to lay out my reasoning. Why do you want do you want to hear, or should I just leave it as a bold prediction? Should we start by everyone just setting out their like a end prediction? Sure. So yours is George Johnson stays on and wins. leads Conservatives to another victory. To another victory, yeah. Another victory, Max. What are you thinking? I'm I'm just gonna have to say the opposite. I do not think that Boris Johnson is gonna stay as leader of the Conservative Party. Um, pro- I reckon as soon as sort of the coronavirus. Sort of situation is over or at least you know pretty much under control he's gonna be gone um and replaced probably by sunak because no one else is really close in like approval uh and then i reckon the next election will be quite close but it depends how soon they call it if they you know leave it a long time um tories might still win um but if it's sort of a quick quick election sort of within the next year i think there's a chance that labor could pull through Mm. Well, you're next. I'm going. All right. Uh, okay. Well, so my prediction is very similar to Max's. I'll be honest. I I think Sunak's going to be in. Um, Boris is going to be out. But I think the Tories hold it. I, I I think they can jettison a lot of the ill will and a lot of the, you know, frankly, you know, incompetence. Let's call it what it is. Over the handling of coronavirus, that will just be packaged nicely onto Johnson and then jettisoned and, you know, the very sort of PR slick Sunak will just, you know, criticism seems to just slide off him. So whether it's, you know, accurate or not. So I I, I don't see them being touched. If if they play it right, they can win the next one, no problem. So my prediction then, I'm predicting Boris Johnson will stay on as um, leader of the Conservative Party. I don't think he'll be ousted. Um... But I think the next parliament will end up like a dead heat, like a fully hung parliament with no majority for anyone. Uh, no coalition can be formed and it's just a <laughs> nightmare gridlock. 
Does anyone, um, does anyone here support Starmer, then? I, I reckon... He's okay. Yeah, if it's sort of... Rec- like, you know, if the ele- next election is soon and the papers don't have time to, you know, like, slander him um, and he's up against the Conservative Party, which has had a lot of negative press recently, I think he can do it. Mm. Um, but I don't know what his sort of long-term prospects are against sort of Sunak in, like, two or three years. Okay. The thing is with Sunak, everyone's like, oh, Sunak's so popular. He's so... Everyone loves him. It's because he's all he's done so far is give people money. Exactly. Which is a very yes. popular policy. But he looks he, smart while he's doing it. Isn't that what you want? But you know at some point, he's, because our Conservatives are going to just like strip everyone's benefits and everyone will be upset, like angry at him again. I mean, that hasn't um, made people that angry over the last few years when they've been doing that, so... I mean, yeah, yeah the Tory like... vote in 2015, you know, post, so after 2010, you know, austerity sets in, then 2015, you know, Tories get in again with, you know, a proper majority rather than just a coalition. I, I've, I feel like they, they've, they've managed to put austerity into a winning package. I mean, to be fair, it was up against essentially no pushback, um, but it doesn't look too much like there'll be that much pushback this time. Or oh, we haven't seen those sort of signs from Starmer pushing back about, against it at least yet. I mean, I know it is early days. So I feel like austerity isn't, doesn't lose Tories' elections. I, 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 don't think it's the, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing for them to push. And especially okay, if it comes so- out of like, the whole uh, stimulus and like, furlough and everything, people, like, lots of people viewed that spending as like, a necessity and a kind of resigned to the fact that austerity is going to happen at some point to have to pay it back. So I don't think it's going to cause the same kind of anger or opposition as it did last time. And last time there wasn't enough anyway. So I don't really think it's that much of an issue for them. Yeah, I think we're underplaying uh, Sunak. I think that's, I think, yeah, Sunak does benefit from just being the giveaway money guy. He is the magic money tree um, of whom was spoken in 2017. But I also think that he doesn't, while he has the advantage of popular policies, he does also project a confident, assured, competent heir, which none of the other rest of the cabinet do. I mean, none. So I'm gonna, he's firstly I'm... compared to quite weak individuals, but also compared to like Sajid Javid or Philip Hammond, Sunak's fairly media savvy. He clearly does seem to be running a well-organised department because there's not been many leaks or scandals or kind of um, warfare between number 10 and number 11. So while he's had popular policies, the impression does seem to be, and I don't think it's inaccurate, Sunak is decent at his job. Um, I would disagree about whether he was good at his job or not, but I feel like you're all overestimating Sunak. And I think if Boris Johnson... I first don't think Boris Johnson will go. I think he'll see a bump in popularity once we hit like a COVID recovery, as long as like the vaccine rollout was not awful. Because we'll, we'll get like 20% growth next year or something insane. Um, you'll be able to say, oh, the highest growth ever. Um, and that'll make Boris Johnson look popular. And I think he's probably too proud to step down. Mm. But I feel like if he does get replaced, it will be by Gove, not Sunak. I think... I'm saying this because Sunak, he's been an MP for five years. He's pretty young. He doesn't have a lot of friends in the Conservative Party. Gove, like, he's, he's part of the Conservative Party establishment. He's, like, put himself in there ingratiated himself with like the 1922 committee who essentially choose the leader of the Conservative Party. I feel like Gove is more likely than Sunak. I'm not too sure because I've got a survey here. Again, it's a 
survey from uh from you know i news um basically <laughs> they're saying that uh sunak has 34 percent of british people surveyed named mr sunak as their preferred candidate to replace boris johnson uh matt hancock dominic rab jeremy uh, jeremy hunt michael gove pretty patel and savage javid all got between three and seven percent i think that's they are nowhere near popular enough uh, but it doesn't matter about the general people, it's about the Conservative Party membership, which are a bunch of like old pensioners in the southeast. They're the ones who actually end up choosing it. It's down to like a hundred thousand pensioners in the southeast. I think also, PT, you make a good point on the COVID recovery front, because while the government's response to COVID has, in many cases, across a wide range of areas, been limp, to put it positively, that's as good a response you can give it. Actually, if you compare the death statistic to Italy, which has a smaller population, it's the same figure. The same number of cases as France, which has a larger population. Um, so you could say we're doing disproportionately badly. We shouldn't be doing this, this, this. We shouldn't be struggling this badly. But actually, comparing it to a lot of Western Europe, we're doing badly, but we're not out and out the worst. This is not. I thought we were the worst. Per capita, I think we're, we're... Are we behind Belgium and the States or something? Like, we're pretty... I thought we are ahead of America now. Like, we've sort of been very close. I think we're ahead of America. Yeah. But, but, but again, the public impression is things are going badly, but also this basic statistics that I've looked up because I didn't have time to research more carefully, and therefore the statistics that people care about is number of cases and number of deaths. Once, once this is over, we will look at number of cases and number of deaths. And neither, if you can spin it in the right context, and who do we know who's very good at spinning things out of context and making it look positive, if you spin it in, in the right context, it looks okay. And if you've got a prime minister who's promising to build back better, to level up, to give the country a warm, fuzzy equality and growth and uh, unicorns and rainbows... You can begin to say, okay, that wasn't great, but look, we're going to do many great things now. And Boris Johnson is the person who can spin that message and he can sell it. And I think if, as Peter says, the rollout isn't disastrous, Johnson can hold on and he can begin to look quite um, seriously towards the next election. I think something that is important, I'm going to bring us like a little tangent here. In British politics, it's coming up soon. We have uh, a bunch of elections that are happening in May this year. So you have the Welsh Parliament elections, you have the Scottish Parliament elections, you have the London elections, and you have like local elections, mayoral elections. And does anyone have like any particular ideas what's going to happen there? Because we'll be in full vaccine rollout in May. And by what it looks like, the vaccine rollout is not going to go well. It's not going well at the moment. And I can imagine, it was not hard to what, imagine what, I mean, the what government ma- messing up. What makes you say that? Um, okay, so firstly, five experience of everything this government has done has not gone well. They are fully, like, reactionary, not react, like, proactive. And the whole thing about where they're potentially not giving people, like, delaying the second dose being given out so they can give out more first doses might mean the second dose is significantly less effective. Um, and I feel like the, if I'm expecting the Tories to be take a pounding in local elections in May. I'm expecting them to do very badly in Wales, very, very badly in London, and generally pretty poorly amongst other mayors at like Manchester, Liverpool, whatever. Uh, who, who will replace... Who will be competing with the Conservatives for those, lo- those local seats, though? 
well, it's local seats all over the country. So mostly the local seats will go to the Lib Dems because they have an incredibly strong local game. In the cities, I think Labour, like Labour are going to absolutely dominate London. They've never looked stronger in London. Um, and they're going to dominate Wales as well. But yeah, I feel the Conservatives will take a pounding there, which, which may be the closest thing I imagine Johnson is to leaving if they take a absolute shafting. Ah, but are you not forgetting Farage's new party, which is the party reform of the party. student reform party, the party that promises to refund it's students actually called their the party lost... of the students. No, no, no. But like, I was joking, because <laughs> one of his first promises was to refund students' accommodation fees, which is a promise I can get behind. I'm just thinking, you know, I might, I might, I might vote Reform UK. Why not? You know, they, they're going to give me my money back. But you, you don't think Farage's party will make a significant presence? I don't think they'll even bother with local elections. I think they'll probably get 5% of the vote in the next general election. Um, yeah, well, actually, that's a good point. What do people think of Farage's new party? I mean, think, it, all, just ex- it all boils down to, can he find one issue that he can pull the Tories right onto? Like, like you know, the old Brexit playbook. He now needs to find something else. Uh, and how well that strikes a chord is going to depend on how well... Because, you know, if he finds something that's threatening to the Tories, the Tories have to move right to, to keep up or provide a significant response why they shouldn't do that. But they have yet to ever do that, so they this, will move right. This is, a, this, is, this is an article from Reform UK's main site, which is actually just a Brexit Party site, and they're probably in the process of rebranding it. <clears throat> this year has reinforced the need to take on a bloated institutions and major vested interest. The House of Lords, the BBC, the way we vote, law and order, immigration, to name but a few. The Prime Minister making his own brother appear takes cronyism to a whole new level. The most pressing issue is the government's woeful response to coronavirus. And then blah, 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 blah. Um, So it seems like they're trying to test out a whole load of different ideas, see which one latches and run with it. And it's almost opposition for the sake of opposition, votes for the sake of votes, rather than kind of any, um, any serious proposals or any serious ideology underpinning it i mean yeah his new party is quite and it's anti-lockdown isn't it yeah it's so one I'm actually of their whole big now. things yeah yeah um the great barrington declaration which they talk about being practiced in sweden um because that's gone really so gone very well there has it it has actually it's gone reasonably well. <laughs> no, 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 no sweden has no, oh it's gone downhill yeah no but the worst people, a good place right, right. more people died in sweden in one week than in norway just ever what, yeah, including like, like, pre-COVID, like ever oh, died yeah, in no, Norway. No. Yeah, but more died in like, Sweden than in Norway ever, and same yeah, with like, Finland as well. Like, more people died in Sweden in one week than Finland for all cases. Well, yeah, I, last like ch- I, I last checked yeah, on Sweden in like November, but clearly it has gone quite badly. I think they've yeah, decided to can... go the, nor- the route of everyone else. They're now putting in harsher lockdowns because it just hasn't worked. Yeah, if you um, compare it to the rest of the Nordic countries, it is by far just the worst country in terms of like per capita uh, daily infections and like deaths and stuff. Oh dear. Okay. Um, other parties. So we've done the reform party. <laughs> so you think what a couple percentage points, I'd say five percentage points. I think Nigel Farage would always find something to get enough people angry about to get some votes. Um, what about the SNP, the Scottish party? How do people think they are going to fare? They've not had a terrible pandemic. The stats aren't great in Scotland, but they're selling them quite well. And there's no one who really presents a credible opposition. So they'll probably do as well as can be expected in Scotland. But until they're not really going to 
they just keep butting up against Johnson, refusing to give them a second referendum. Um, I, so what, are we expecting an SNP sweep like they've had the last... Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I don't see well, what would have... If anything, you know, I think the whole coronavirus thing has probably made it more certain and stronger. I'm expecting SNPs to get every single seat in Scotland except for three. So there's what, Edinburgh East, is it? Where there's one Labour party. You know that we don't know and you're just showing off... I reckon Orkney will stay, will go Lib Dem. Edinburgh, I think it's Edinburgh East, where there's a Labour person who somehow holds on every single time. No one knows how. <laughs> and then one of the border seats will stay Tory. But I think 50-something seats, everything else will go SNP um, pretty handily. Because, yeah, no one seems to be able to offer them an alternative like to the people of Scotland at the moment. Hmm. Talking yeah, about our I, political opinion, our uh, projections. What did we say about um, Change UK last year? Because no, I thought I, pre- I, I thought I can't. Remember, I think I had quite a. Uh, I was. I believed in them quite a lot, but uh, that you didn't and go Theo, very, you yeah, and yeah, me Theo were quite for them. Um, so maybe take everything we say <laughs> um, with a pinch of salt. You, you, any any regulations of this podcast will know by now that Max, but definitely myself, are not good predictors of the future. We're too. Well, I don't know what the word is, but we I'm don't get it sure right. Me I think and stupid, that's the word. Oh no, too <laughs> poorly informed. There you go. Hey. I'm pretty sure that me and Will predicted that Change UK would fold into the Liberal Democrats, which is what happened. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the Liberal Democrats, what do people think is going to happen with them in the next election, or just going forward? They're going to do even worse than they did last time. They're sort of going to stay at around, I can't, what percentage did they get last time? They got 11 and a bit percent, I think. Okay. Um, Which on the plus side reflects their MPs quite accurately. At least they're getting proportional representation. We should be getting... If they got 12% last time, so they if we had proportional representation, they should be getting about 80 MPs, and they have 11. Well, yeah, but a percent to an MP, that's how it works, because I've forgotten that <laughs> Parliament has 650 MPs. I am not with it today. I am really not with it. <laughs> Although I'm looking at um, opinion polls here, and in terms of like, voting intention, the Lib Dems have fallen from 11% to 6% o- just over the year, between January and uh, now. Starmer's so much more palatable. Right, right, I think... So this is the thing. I think Starmer is... I, I respect Starmer. I understand his appeal. Um, I would even consider voting for him. But there's quite a curious statistic which has some quite concerning trends behind it, which is why I'm sceptical about Starmer. Since World War II, no Labour leader has ever survived a full electoral cycle and gone on to win power. So no Labour leader has ever been elected after an election defeat, so replacing their predecessor, survived the full five years, or whatever it is, won an election after that full five years. But since World War II, there's only been, like, three Labour... Yeah, how many le- Labour... Le- how many leader Labour... How many Labour... Le- in fact, I compiled a list of all of those Labour leaders of the opposition who didn't make it. The Hugh Gateskill died, so you can't really fuck that. Michael Foote fell over on Brighton Beach and lost the 1983 election. Neil Kinnock fought not one, not two, but three elections as leader and lost every single one. John Smith died and was played by Tony Blair, who then won. And Ed Miliband couldn't eat a bacon sandwich and lost. So, so, so basically, those two, you know, Foot and Miliband who could make it to the full way through the electoral cycle, lost. 
a couple of them died presumably from the stress because that seems to be quite a big problem for Labour leaders I've noticed um, and Neil Kinnock just didn't win there seems to be something stopping Labour leaders, the ones who aren't dead, from actually winning elections, even if they can endure the whole full five years of um, running the Labour Party. And so I'm unconvinced that Starmer is just going to survive. You might even, I don't know, if he died of stress, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, there seems to be some sort of block in the Labour Party. It doesn't seem to be capable of supporting and unifying around a leader um, enough to support him. And it's always a him, to support him into government. And that and also, is why you know, I'm sceptical. If you look at Starmer, I, I don't like, you know, he, he certainly played it interestingly and, you know, Labour are doing much better in the polls, but his personal approval rating has been gradually sinking since he came into power. Like, it, it's been trending worse and worse and it's not getting I mean, better. I, I mean, that is normal because you have a honeymoon period and then people are like, oh, he's human and he has imperfections and he can't eat bacon sandwiches. Um, yeah, but so... it's one of these things where, you know... Coronavirus response is is one of the largest open goals you can imagine. It it is you, you imagine the the reverse position and a Labour leader is in charge and Tory opposition are dealing with you know sixty seventy thousand dead Britons to uh, due to essentially mishandling of a virus. They eviscerate. I I don't see, he hasn't really. I mean he may be playing the long game. Maybe he's much smarter than me and is playing some sort of game. He hasn't really done all that much he hasn't said all that much and it generally what? boils down to reasonably lukewarm opposition to whatever's the thing at the time saying they're not doing enough not this not that but it's generally there is there's been a lack of offering a different vision there that, that we don't look at the labor party and go right here's an alternative here is something mm. they are determined to do they are you know this could be the alternative leading us into the future this better way it's it's them saying yeah the tories are doing the right thing they're just incompetent and not doing enough of it well, it's I not think, particularly I think... inspiring it's, I, it's I think not particularly, it, you know, how could you start, get excited about that? Starmer does have some handicaps. Most notably, I would actually argue, is because PMQs is all virtual, he doesn't have those epic scenes of, like, landing sound bites in a common chamber that do stick in the public imagination. And that's actually something that he's missed out on. I think he's also not... He's OK with the media, but he doesn't have, again, that knack for, like, a smart turn of phrase or like a, a slick TV appearance that Johnson, let's be honest, does. So he's hampered in that sense. Um, but I also, I think he's actually playing a fairly smart game, which is he's not going in so hard on the Conservatives because it's Labour's to win. The burden of proof is on Labour, not the Conservatives. Let's be honest, they were trounced in 2019. They have to prove they are, can be responsible and capable. So Starmer isn't going all out on the government. Instead, he's just niggling them and getting them in the detail and winding them up and annoying them to such a degree that sometimes the government does change policy and the public doesn't get put off by Starmer just biting chunks out of the government. It, it, does that make sense? But a lot of the big policy changes have, have been Starmer following you know, the public mood or, or whatever else, you know, like school, uh, free school meals and that kind of thing. I mean, that was Marcus Rashford. Yeah, OK, Labour supported them, but Labour supported them after Rashford got behind them. They, they weren't leading on this. This is not something that the, the opposition is more, doing more following than it is doing, you know, leading an opposition. And like, you know, the, the whole schools thing, they were silent on that for days. I mean, now he's come out and just today said, yeah, we need a full national lockdown, which I assume... I, I, the thing I mentioned didn't mention anything about schools, but I assume uh, that would be included. But at the same time, you know, you have like the, the like take 
you know, all the education unions are saying, yeah, we can't go back to school. Sage is saying we can't go back to school. The overall, uh, we are in a really quite dire situation recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. The current corona situation in this country is very bad and it's going to get worse because we haven't seen the full effects of the Christmas break. And yeah, if, if you're silent then, then why? This is when we need opposition most. We need opposition to grasp at these mistakes and point at them, shout them. Okay, you don't have to do with every little thing. But when, you know, they're trying to send th- hundreds of thousands of kids back to school when the evidence looks like they were part of driving the second wave and, you know, we are already seeing 50,000 infections a day, you've got to speak up. If you don't speak up then, I mean, I mean to be fair, they boxed themselves in earlier with saying, you know, Starmer said everyone must be back to school. Yeah, yeah. But... But, but at the same it's not time, now. When? When? When will we see it? But I think also he's partly hampered by taking over a Labour Party that has forgotten, in my opinion, to be competent. That has forgotten how to be a responsible opposition under Corbyn, the famously decisive man on Brexit and a myriad of other important issues to the British public. Um, and you, I've been reading Left Out, which is kind of one of the Christmas bestseller politics books. It looked at Labour under Corbyn, and yeah, the, the right wing of Labour has no praise on its shoulders it holds the blame for a lot of nastiness but you see the opposition office is just incompetent and chaotic and divisive and as bitter and petty a workplace you could find anywhere and it is in fact an organization that doesn't know how to conduct its business properly it isn't deserving of the money it gets to be her majesty's official opposition and i suspect that a lot of what star was doing is you know turning it into a half decent organization a half decent opposition and he's probably limited by some personal flaws i don't think you're wrong in saying that actually he's not um, delivered the the blows that have been needed. But I also do feel that he he does need to be given a bit of slack. That said, for reasons unknown to me, he's still not going to survive until the next election. I reckon reckon either the stress is going to drive him out or Labour will drive him out because the left Corbynistas have just elected a majority to the NEC, which kind of governs the Labour Party. Um, so I suspect he is going to run into the mud sometime between now and the next election and be replaced by one of his kind of protégés or mentees as my my thoughts on the situation. I mean, there's another little sort of low-level cause for him to resign at the moment because he's not supported the teachers yet. There's always been cause for you know, like, Yeah, there's always, the, always. I don't think he's going anywhere because I don't think there's anyone to replace him with. Yeah, um, where is the talent in in that wing of the Labour Party? Well, in yeah. any wing of the Labour Party, let's be honest. Where Lisa is Lisa Nandu? <laughs> just the shadow cabinet is so bereft of depth and experience. It has Ed Miliband. Ed Miliband is like he would be such a good leader if he hadn't already failed to win an election. <laughs> um, because oh he's gosh. really impressed me recently. Like he's so much more likable nowadays when he's not trying to be. The lead of the Labour Party. Um, I think that goes for yeah. most people. I think most people are much more likable until they become lead of the Labour Party. Um, no one has ever had any publicity successes as lead of the Labour Party. I mean, there okay. are like you know there are some rising stars within the Labour Party on the left, you know, particularly that I follow. But they're you know they're extremely young. They've only been in a few years, and you know the early twenties. So it's you know I, I I don't see anyone with the caliber to step up to you know leader of the opposition anytime soon um, that says that's it's worth remembering David Cameron had only been a Conservative MP for four years and uh, before taking over the Conservative Party five years later he at uh, the next election he won 
um, and became prime minister. So don't underwrite, don't write off the young talent because they might just burst out of nowhere. I mean, how um, long has Keir Starmer been a member of, the, of been an MP? It hasn't been that long, has it? No, that's sure it hasn't. It's only been. Okay, if I saying that, it would be good if I actually knew when it was. But I swear <laughs> it's only. <laughs> oh, it's been a member of, yes. for five years. So since 2015. Yeah, that's not long. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to some other parties. Anyone have any predictions for the Green Party? <laughs> They're currently polling... <laughs> no, no, you laugh. They're currently polling at a similar level to the Liberal Democrats. I wouldn't that's not good. That's not, that's not just shows how bad the Dems are at the moment. They, they, they will get more votes than the SNP. Yeah, so but they deserve as much time to be talked about as the SNP. <laughs> that's true. But they won't, again, they won't find enough seats where environmental policies are popular enough to override basic taxation, employment, um, social justice. It did, like, I'm amazed that Caroline Lucas is still alive, I guess, in Brighton and Hope, because like, it's, I can't think of any seats in a country where her brand, well, the Green Party brand of environmental, slightly environmental populism almost, is, is strong enough. Their target seat's Konya. I think it's Bristol West is their closest target seat, oh. which is like a very left-wing Labour stronghold. Um, I don't think they'll it's take 65% Labour last election. Yeah, and then the <laughs> next target seat is the Isle of Wight, um, oh. which is a like Tory, will never not be Conservative. I uh, think the yeah, problem I, the Green Party has is that the environmental messaging is is it's so sort of everyone cares about the environment or everyone says they care about the environment but that means so many different you know it, it can be a very middle class thing to care about the environment but then mm. also you know trying to do it into some sort of leftist eco populism kind of thing like you you're you're trying to run like three different parties here i i, I just yeah it's it's not coherent i, I also it. really don't like their logo it just makes me feel a bit sick it's just so naff and weird and like is it meant to be a flower petals around the earth? I don't really get it. Is it a sunflower? I don't know. They just need a bolder, simpler logo instead of just, oh, the world That's and the flowers. one thing that's holding them back from getting more seats than they yeah. Well, you know what um, I mean? Like, the, the overall, put it, like, we'll, we'll touch it on it. Like, what do they stand for? What are they? Why do I not hear about them more often? They need to press home. They need to get a multimillionaire yeah. donor and just kind of splurge the cash a bit. Let's go on to the next party I want to talk about, Plaid Cymru, the Welsh Nationalist Party. Uh, what are the objections for them? They currently have, I think, four MPs in Wales. They are the Welsh version of the SNP, if you don't know. Um, does anyone have any predictions, or does no one here really care too much? Because they stay pretty solidly at four MPs. Will, do, always. You, do you speak any Welsh? Uh, no, I... I, I... I occasionally I can recognise the odd word, but uh, yeah, I, I I can't say um I've ever been able to uh, understand too much. I can it's read a little bit of Welsh. I say a little in terms bit. Of I mean like, like three words. <laughs> Let Max speak. It's fine. It's fine. It wasn't going to matter anyway. I was just going to say um in terms of like polling or like no like how they did last election the places they win they seem to win quite well, but everywhere else they are like the third party with like ten percent. It seems really yeah. strange why they're so strong in like four or five constituencies, but then really weak everywhere else. Well, there, there's, there, there's a lot more support for Welsh nationalism in the centre and the north, whereas in the south, where you have more urban centres, it's not popular at all, is my understanding. 
Um, I'm happy yeah, to that question. That's okay, finally, let's go on to Northern Ireland. Does anyone here know anything about Northern Irish politics? I know a little bit. I'm quite pleased. Okay, I, know yeah, a little bit. I don't know anything, so it's all um, up to you. Okay, I don't know enough to predict an election result, but it's basically Sinn Féin, who want to unite with Ireland, and the DUP, who want to unite with the rest of the United Kingdom and shoot all the gay people. Um, and basically, it's kind of between these two, uh, and then you get to, can, to, can get a few through the middle, like the Social Democrats, Liberal Party maybe, and the Alliance. Um, but based, because they believe in such diametrically opposing things, Northern Irish politics is often very partisan, very gridlocked, underwritten by quite a lot of sectarianism, and nearly kind of, it's, it's some of the nastiest politics in the UK. Um, and the chance is quite also quite evenly balanced. They have to work together to form a power sharing agreement to form a government or an executive, as it's technically called. Uh, that fell apart a few years ago. It took like five years to pop it back together again. They still hate each other. Um, I don't know yet, like maybe one seat will change hands, but probably there's not enough movement anywhere and there's no real strong party in the middle to um, take to change the direction of politics uh, and new election. Okay, so now what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring us into our final any like any last predictions we want to make before we head into like our actual numbers we have to give for the next general election like our seat numbers of the general election which okay. we will say whoever's closest on wins our prediction contest so, so, so there's 650 seats in parliament right mm-hmm. but first of all we want to make any like last predictions because i have a prediction and that is boris johnson loses his seat next election Ooh, you've been sitting on that one haven't you I have. I'm convinced he is not keeping that seat because it is in London. It is the main constituency and Boris Johnson is very unpopular and the Conservatives are unpopular in London. I can easily see his seat going to Labour, especially if Labour, like, because one of the problems with Labour last election is they went, like, scalp hunting for, like, pop- like politician seats instead of just trying to focus on defending marginals. Um, but I think they should scalp hunt for Boris Johnson's seat because I would love to see him lose that seat and I think it is within the realms of possibility for him to do so yeah that's interesting um, that is yeah I, I don't know I, I feel like it's quite possible that the Conservatives would mobilise a massive effort to defend him in his seat though um, because obviously it would be such a big well as you say such a big scalp that they would really, really, really fight to make sure he held on to it and throw resources at the wall. Excuse me, throw resources at the wall there. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think they would. They would be so casual as to let it fall because they know it'll be a target. This yeah. is my prediction. I'm sticking with it. I feel like it's definitely within the realms of possibility. I yeah. I, I'm not sure whether it will happen, but I, I I'd say yeah, that's definitely feasible. I I don't think that's particularly unlikely. I think I yeah I think Johnson will hold on to a seat I think he will still win but there will be a lot of tension between him and Sunak and there will be a lot I think the, the margin will narrow substantially a lot of people will just be like no I, I've had enough of this I can't trust him and so there may well have to be a shake up quite a substantial shake up in the Conservative Party to, to mm-hmm. yeah to change that Okay, so let's go on to our final projections, like final predictions even. So we're heading up to an election, let's say 650 seats, which get voted on. Um, I don't want 
like vote percentages. I just want to know the number of seats you think each of like the main four parties get. Let's say so: Labour, Conservative, SNP, Lib Dem. I want to hear what you guys think they're going to get. Mm. We're now having to do some quite panicky math to work out how. To, <laughs> okay, what's, I'm having to scribble you, down on my paper. No, like I'll, oh, I've got I'll the go first. I'll go first. You I go have, first. I think I, I think the Conservatives. Wait, let, me, let me write masses down. Okay, I think the yeah. Conservatives are going to like lose a bit. So I reckon, so they're currently on three hundred and sixty-five. I reckon they're going to go down to just under three fifty. So Me. I need an actual number, Max. Three hundred and forty-six. Okay. And then Labour are going to sort of go up, and I think all of those seats lost by the Tories are going to go to Labour. Um, so Labour are going to get what two hundred and twenty-eight. Okay. Um, uh, SNP Lib Dems. I think it's gonna. Uh, Lib Dems are gonna drop. Um, they're gonna have like five seats. Actually, no, no. I reckon they're gonna have like seven seats. Um, SNP are gonna remain the same at like around fifty. I need. I need a number, Max. That's the whole point of this. Is I need <laughs> a number. I don't know the numbers. Okay. Uh, SNP for uh forty-eight seats. Interesting. Lib Dems. So that's Max's tradition. Yeah. And then, you know, the green and Sinn Féin. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't I, matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the nicest way possible. Um, so I can go for my predictions if you guys want to do some... If like, I have more time to do maths. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I, yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, so I will say Conservatives, 280. 200! They're going to lose 80 seats, is that what you're, you're saying? predicting yeah. collapse. 285. So, so just for, okay, so just for the listener who may not be intimately familiar with the 2019 results, the Conservatives got 365, oh, well, as you meant, and so you're saying they're going to lose 80 seats. Mm-hmm. 80 seats. Uh, Labour, mo- almost all of them to Labour. Uh, of like three to the SNP, but almost all of them to Labour. Labour, 283 seats. Um... The SNP, I'm going to say, get 55 seats, uh, and the Lib Dems get five. Mm. I may be missing a few points, but yeah, Lib Dems are going to just collapse to like Twickenham, Bath, Orkney, St Albans, and like somewhere else. I'm going to, okay, I've got mine. Mine's a little different to yours. Obviously, Wales and Northern Ireland hold the same. I don't know enough about either of them to predict differently. I'm saying Greens are going to go up to two. Where did the Greens get? Well, do you want to sit down and describe your 80-seat losses for the Conservatives with me? Yeah, yeah, nice. sure. So 41 of the 48 seats that they lost in like the Red Wall will go back to Labour, and then they'll pick up a bunch in London. Oh, well, you thank, thank you for that forensic analysis. Um, <laughs> you just trotted okay, so try, out a few phrases that any year 11 politics nerd could recite um, I'm saying the Lib Dems are going to go down to 9 um, okay. the SNP are going to go down to 45 what causes the SNP to collapse sir? Um, <laughs> collapse so yeah from 3C uh, because Labour are really pushing for the Scottish seats because they need them otherwise there's no way they'll ever get a majority again that's quite, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Starmer will do everything he can short promising a second indie ref. Um, the Conservatives are going to have a majority, but it's going to be very slim. They're going to lose 35 seats and go down to 330. And that all of those are going to switch over to Labour, 
who are going to have two, so in total 242. So the Conservatives are going to have a slim majority, slimmer than Dave, um, slimmer than John Major, slimmer than David Cameron's. Um, and but that's still a majority. Still a majority, yeah. And Boris Johnson will be the next Prime Minister. Okay, Will, let's hear yours. Okay, mine is rapidly changing my head because I don't have a pen, so I haven't been able to do any maths. Um, huh. I'm going to put, so soon I can charge, I'm going to put, Tories are going to suffer losses, but not sub super substantial ones. So, yeah, 340, I want to say, seats for the Tories. Um, with those uh, 25 going to Labour, I want to say. So 227, I think, for Labour. Um, SMP? Up to, I don't know, 50 seats. I think. Oh, that's not that. That's like every seat in Scotland. I'm, I'm 55 seats. What? How so, long is that? There's, is there even 55 seats in Scotland? Is it? There's 59, I think, currently. I'm looking at a map. I'm pretty sure there's 59 seats in Scotland. Honestly. Um. Anyway, yeah. Continue, Will. Um. Lib Dems. Go down to like three. Three seats for Lib Dems. And Greens on one because you're not stupid? Yeah, and Greens on one. I feel like that's directed at me, but that's fine. You'll all be laughing at the side of your faces. Um, one um, thing, so we all have our predictions. Everyone except me has like sort of given fairly close predictions, especially Max and Will. Your predictions are very close to each other. Um, so I'm the only one who's really outside of you. I'm going against consensus. And there's one thing we forgot here. Um, which I should have brought up before you did these predictions, which is that there are going to be some constituency boundaries being redrawn, um, which will probably mean that Scotland lose four seats, um, Wales loses like three seats, and the North East loses two seats, which get moved to like London and South East. Did the Conservatives um, initiate this boundary redrawing by any chance? It, it goes every 10 years based off the census. Mm -hmm. But like Scotland is massively overrepresented in Parliament. Because um, they don't they don't have that many people, but they have like more MPs per person than the rest of the country, and London is underrepresented. Um, so yeah, that could change some things, but we don't know how these boundaries will be drawn for another three years. But yeah, so those are our predictions. Um, if anyone wants to join our prediction contest, you're more than welcome to. If any of you three have any last things you want to add, any last things you want to chuck out there. Yeah, Change UK is going to make a comeback. They're going to win every seat. 650, Change UK, highly do you want me to Do you want me to amend your... <laughs> they're going to win all the Irish seats. Do you want me to amend your <laughs> No, No, please, no. I don't want to pay for a round of fuel. I'm, I'm too cheap. Okay, so if that's it, then thank you for listening. I think this will be our last December slash January uh, debate that we'll get out because we've got an exam starting soon and we're heading back to uni. Um... If you want to talk to us, if you want to give us your own predictions, if you want to tell us we're stupid or funny or whatever, you can contact us on social media at... Podcast Poorly. Podcast Poorly. Or email us at... Poorly Informed. I don't know if Max is going to come in. I suspect not. Okay, how it? Say Poorly Informed Discussion at gmail.com. Yeah, it's very good. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to these December debates. We've had like a lot of people listen, which is great. Um, really enjoyed making them. And we hope to keep making content for you guys. Uh, so yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening.
拜。